At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 316th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Growing plants that thrive in your yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWantToSaveSeeds.com and you'll receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how you can save your own. Today on our podcast, we have a couple who are thinking outside the hive. We're talking with Kiara and Travis Bolton about pairing solar energy with honey. Kiara and Travis are beekeepers in Minnesota. In their business, Bolton Bees, they sell Minnesota hardy bees adapted to survive Minnesota's harsh northern climate and distinct location. They have been featured in National Geographic, Martha Stewart, Smithsonian Magazine, and Modern Farmer for their innovative partnerships with solar developers. They formed a public benefit corporation, or B Corp, called the Solar Honey Company and have trademarked that term. They are a mission-based company promoting the stacking of multiple benefits to farmland, including clean solar energy, pollinator-friendly habitat, and local beekeeping. Welcome to the show today, Kiara and Travis. Are you ready to rock? Yeah. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Sure. Well, I started beekeeping when I was living in rural China in the Himalayan Plateau. And I was working on an economic development project there. And eventually I moved back to Minnesota and wanted to continue keeping bees here. Travis and I met, I got him into beekeeping, and we learned that it was really difficult to keep our bees alive during the wintertime. So what we started doing is just survival of the fittest. From those that survive, we breed from them. We did that and we, for a number of years, and we were able to create a line of bees that we call Minnesota Hardy Bees. From there, I mean, our business has continued to grow. We sold bees. We sell location-specific honey. And then we started forming partnerships with solar developers. Because one of the things that we're always looking for mm-hmm. as beekeepers is healthy land for our bees to be on. So what we, these partnerships with solar developers is that they are putting pollinator friendly land underneath the ground mounted solar panels. Uh So typically what they do is put gravel or turf grass and just kind of leave the land unused. But what we're promoting is use that land, plant it pollinator friendly, and then we'll bring in hives to that land and make some solar honey. We'll extract it separately, mm-hmm. and then we're able to package it 
and solar honey. And then the solar developers can then use their custom jars as they need to for public relation moves, for you know, giving it to their solar subscribers or to community engagement events and things like that. Oh, interesting. So the honey actually is just honey that is grown on solar developed land. So you're calling it solar honey. Exactly. Not just any old solar array. It has to be a solar array that's been intentionally planted pollinator friendly. So that developers take it upon themselves to, you know, really want to make the most of their project. Mm-hmm. Going one step further and saying, okay, this is really cool that we can have renewable energy. You know, let's let's not take this land completely out of production. Let's let's plant it pollinator friendly. Let's you know, let's benefit the pollinators, the honeybees, the native bees, the butterflies, uh-huh. the birds. So it's not just any slow array. It has to be one that's been planted pollinator friendly. Wow. In permaculture, what we call this is stacking functions, where we have one asset. In this case, it's land, and you use that land for multiple things. Did you know that? Uh, what we what we say <laughs> is stacking of multiple benefits to the land. So I guess I didn't know that the phrase was also used in permaculture, but we like to say stacking of multiple benefits as well. Right. Well, yeah, and you're doing it. I love that. You know, in permaculture, we just identify it as that. Obviously, it happens in nature long before we ever came along, this whole notion of stacking benefits. And it's, it is great for, for solo developers who are trying to get community buy-in. So if they were to just put in a solar array, most people, when you think of what does a solar array look like, they may not imagine the most beautiful site. Right. But it actually can be. Where we have our bees, it's beautiful. It's like a prairie underneath the solar panels. There's land management companies that know to plant you know, shade-tolerant plants underneath the panels, plants only grow a certain height. So it actually doesn't interfere at all with the panels. And over the long run, it is more affordable for the solar developers because there's less maintenance on the land. Mm-hmm. And they're enriching the soil because there's deeper root systems. So it's leaving the land better than what they had it. And it's helping all the pollinators. So it really is a win-win-win. Very nice. So who came up with this idea? Well, you know, it was a collaborative effort, I would say. There is a land management company based out of Minnesota that is actually nationwide now, Prairie Restorations. We were in contact with them, you know, a number of a couple of years ago when we were looking for places to put our hives. We're like, we know that this company, their forte is going into these commercial sites mm-hmm. and planting, planting them pollinator friendly with native plants. And we knew that they would be a company that potentially might have a real good lead on some locations for bees. So that kind of conversation started. Then we found out that Prairie Restorations was also talking to Fresh Energy, a nonprofit that promotes clean, renewable energy out of Minnesota. Specifically, they were talking to Rob Davis. And Rob Davis has been lining them up with all these solar developers, plant them pollinator friendly. And there, there are other landscape businesses here that do, do a very similar thing. But Rob Davis, he has been very instrumental in promoting pollinator friendly in Minnesota. He's actually, they've even put it into legislation there. You can't just say you're pollinator friendly unless you meet a certain criteria. So we actually have a scorecard in place in Minnesota that just just keeps it legitimate. If you say it's pollinator friendly, okay, so it's got a neat scorecard. So those two were talking. Our world started colliding because we were starting to kind of help with some projects to 
not only just looking for bee, bee locations for us, but we're also we're trying to promote pollinator friendly. Just we were kind of on the fringe, you know. Yeah, this is we're beekeepers. This is gonna be a great thing for us. But then, kind of people started thinking, well, well, what? Maybe we should just put bees at the solar array. And then, then we already do location specific honey. Right. So we were really pretty well groomed for this because it was like, well, we could extract that honey separately, you know, and really see what kind of honey we get from that area. We know, I mean, Minnesota, we have a real diverse array of honey just from our state. And we're like, well, let's extract that honey separately, and they can create a custom jar, and they can use it, you know, for their own purposes. And the ball just kind of started rolling there. Our first project was with Connexus Energy, which is a co-op based out of Ramsey, Minnesota. And it started in January, and everybody got excited really quickly. January of this year? Of this year. Yeah, it really wow. happened quickly. We actually placed the very first apiary on a pollinator-friendly solar array in the nation. Congratulations. That is cool. Thank you. Thank you. So Solar Honey is the name of your B Corp, correct? Yes, correct. So can you tell everybody what is a B Corp for those of us that aren't quite up to speed on that? So when we formed our business, the Solar Honey Company, we had to make a choice. Do we want to just be a regular business or we can identify what is our true purpose of what we're doing? And our true purpose is to benefit the land, the environment, other beekeepers, and when we looked at what a public benefit corporation is, it really is just promoting that. It's saying we're a company that a percentage of our profits will go towards furthering what our mission is. Mm-hmm. So we're making that choice. A percentage of our profits will come to us and we'll put it back into what we are promoting, which is pollinator-friendly habitat and apiaries located on them. The big picture, the big umbrella idea of a public benefit corporation is just a company that is promoting public benefits, a, a public good. So not quite a nonprofit. Not a nonprofit because nope. you still are a business. Yeah. You still, it's not, it's not a nonprofit or a not-for-profit. It's still, you're still taking in income, but you're, you're choosing to put some of the money back towards the good and you are focusing, the whole focus of the company is towards public benefit. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it as a mission-based company. Perfect. And what's your mission? It's promoting better land use under and around ground-mounted solar panels, promoting the collaboration of other beekeeping businesses to work with solar developers. Wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. So how is the public receiving this? It's been exciting. I mean, like like we said, it, it it all started in January. I mean, it just seemed like once the ball started rolling, it just like was just continually picking up speed, and it hasn't really slowed down. Uh, you know, National Geographic picked up the story, and Smithsonian, and then, and this you know a lot of other publications too that are smaller. But it just seems that when people hear about it, it's kind of like why why wasn't it it always like this? Right. It sounds fun. It's fun, but it and it's also simple not some profound thing it's just like it makes sense if you use the land properly and then then it's like well yeah for sure that makes sense this whole other industry that is you know starving for healthy locations would be interested it's like a real likely pairing yeah i think that has really helped just to really have people get excited about it like we went out to a verge conference in santa clara california you know it's new and and we're we're in minnesota 
where I wouldn't say we're secluded here by any means, but we thought, okay, there was interest from Verge for us to come out there and, and have a booth. And we're like, well, this would be a great opportunity. This is really be a good opportunity to gauge the interest at, you know, a, a bit more of a national scale. And it was overwhelming. It was unbelievable the interest that people took in our, in our idea and in, in our business. Yeah, it was, it was really exciting to see that talking to, you know, people all over the board. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, congratulations. It's an it's an epic idea, and it's a simple one, like you said. So, yay. So, have you taken this beyond your business, and you started sharing it? You were at a conference. How's that going? Well, yeah, we, we have. What we learned from the Verge conference is that this is a big deal. Other soul developers in other states and other beekeepers wanted the same thing. And so with the Solar Honey Company, what we've done is we've been able to scale it. Instead of just having our bees on a polyunifriendly solar array, now we're encouraging other beekeepers to have their bees on polyunifriendly solar arrays. One of the things that beekeepers are struggling with is that they're not getting a good price for their honey. In the United States, honey is being laundered in. A lot of times you look at your honey bottle, you see that it's from Brazil or Argentina. Yet at the same time, the demand for honey is increasing. We cannot meet the demand in the United States for the honey. However, beekeepers are still getting paid poorly for the honey produced here, the local honey. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing with the Solar Honey Company is that we are offering to buy honey from beekeepers that produce honey on polyunifriendly solar rays, solar honey, at an above market rate. Wow. So we're, we're establishing a new market. And typically the way this arrangement works is that a solar developer who, you know, potentially has 20, 30, 40, 50 solar arrays throughout the nation, you know, would ask and say, hey, you know, we want, we, this sounds really great. We want to, we want to do this. We've got some, you know, new arrays going up in so-and-so state and we want to try this. We have a network of beekeepers that we have vetted out that we think would be a good fit for this type of arrangement that we can, we can connect that beekeeper with the solar developer and we can be you know, a liaison for that collaboration. And then like Kiara said, then, then we offer a market for that honey. Well, we'll purchase that honey by the barrel or, or even by the five gallon bucket at an above market price. When you do location specific, it's making it even more local. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think it, with honey, it's, it's really what people are looking for because it's starting to be a tricky thing to buy honey and to really know what you're getting. You look at your honey bottle and it says, okay, Nice. This is this is distributed out of some up place in upstate New York. That's oh okay cool. But then if you look a little bit closer, you look at the bottle and say, why does it say you know four other countries on this bottle? You know if you dig a little deeper in that, other than not to say that there's not amazing honeys coming from all over the world, but there is an amount of honey laundering that exists where they're you know they're adding stuff to this honey to bring it right up to that level that can still deem it pure honey. At the end of the day, it's I think it's a lot better to get honey that's from around where you live, essentially. And plus from a trusted source. From a trusted source and with a good impact. You know, you're buying honey that's promoting more of this. You know, when you're buying that jar of honey, you're not only getting a pure raw honey, you're also buying into promoting pollinator-friendly habitat, mm-hmm. promoting re- renewable energy. So, Travis, when you come up with a project, is it the beekeeper that plants the pollinating plants that bring the bees in or the people with the solar panels? No, it is not the beekeepers. You know, it's a, 
a trusted landscape business that is privy to this type of work. You know, in Minnesota, there's two or three that do it, uh, Minnesota Native Landscapes, Prey Restoration. And these businesses have really, all Prey Restoration, all they do is plant native plants. That, that's their business. They raise their own seeds. That's all they do. So you want a trusted landscaping business that plants native pollinator-friendly seed mixes and is also a business that is aware of what the solar developer is looking for. They don't. They want low-growing, shade-tolerant plants. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to, to be blocking any sun. Right. Yeah. So I mean, everybody has to work work with each other in these in these arrangements. But it, it definitely it definitely can be done. And we've had a good track record here in Minnesota with prairie restorations, Excellent. especially in, in Minnesota native landscapes too. Excellent. Hey, in our pre-conversation, we talked about that y'all are queen bee breeders what are you breeding them for and what does that mean queen breeding is for it's you take hives that have show favorable characteristics and then you raise queens from those hives we graft queens that's something that kiara does and it's literally you take a larva just after it hatches from an egg you pluck that larva from a hive that has shows favorable characteristics and then you put that into a queenless colony and that queenless colony can raise up to 90 queens at a time then you take those queen cells out of that cell builder. And then we put those into other queenless hives, and those queens go on mating flight. They come back as mated queens, and then you have a functioning hive. As a queen breeder, yeah, you're just looking for favorable, favorable characteristics. Um, in Minnesota, one of the, the first things that we select for is being able to survive our, our long, cold winter. Mm, right. So you have to. You have to. That's a first. You know, And it's really just basic. That one's obviously just basic evolution. The ones that can do it. Are, are still around and the ones that can't do it they don't survive and they're out of our gene pool after that we select for high hunting yields and after that we select for it gentleness because kiara and i typically work barehanded throughout the entire season so we know we know when a hive has you know is a little bit more aggressive than the other hives mm-hmm. those, those ones we don't ever we don't breed from we also another thing we think is very important is hygienic behavior it's something that u of m and well, actually, there's been a lot of people that have been involved in really promoting that type of research. The hygienic behavior, it, it, it's where the worker bees in a hive can tell that there's sick larvae underneath the brood. So they'll actually uncap that brood and they will pull that, that larva or pupa out of the hive and discard it. Hmm. It, it helps with many different things, we feel like. So we do a, a brood freeze test where we actually take liquid nitrogen, freeze an area of brood, and put that frame back into a hive. And we come back 24 hours later, we check how much the bees have cleaned out. And that's the way we're able to test a hive for hygienic behavior. How interesting is that? What's so cool about that is that it's really accessible. You know, any, any queen breeder mm-hmm. can buy you know, a, a two-inch piece of PVC pipe and get some liquid nitrogen and do that test and really be able to push hygienic behavior forward. Yeah. So you guys are really on the cutting edge of breeding and solar energy, honey. We're sure trying to be. Well, cool. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. You know, I would say probably the most failures happen early when you're starting a business. When Kiara and I were starting Bolton Bees, you know, I would say, I'm going to have to go back a little bit further than Solar Honey Company, but when Bolton Bees was starting, Kiara and I were both still working full-time. I was a licensed contractor remodeling houses, typically kitchens and bathrooms. Kiara was wor- working in a nursing home as a manager, and we were starting our Bolton Bees business, which was taking up, you know, 
way over 40 hours a week aside from our full-time jobs. And at that time of really trying to trying to make it all work, and then probably into the next year when we were when we were just full-time Bolton Bees, we struggled to strike a balance with our social life. I think with our with our family and friends. I think that would be a failure that took us a little while to learn was you have to give people in your life time. You know, the people, obviously your family and your friends, you really have to put time aside for non-work related things. And I think that it took us, you know, I would say at least a year and a half or so to really get good at striking that balance. And it's still something that we are always still working on being better at. But I definitely think we've done a lot better at just, you know, setting aside time for birthdays and setting aside time for when somebody is coming back into town. At the end of the day, that's a really a big part of, you know, leading a rich life, I feel like, is, is maintaining all those friendships that are so meaningful. Oh, yeah. And you're lucky that you got it in a year and a half. There's some of us that take a whole lot longer than that. Yeah. I mean, we're not perfect yet, but I definitely think that we were a lot better than we were. So what do you consider your biggest success? I think the Solar Honey Company, the just how well it's been received, and I think that how much potential there is in it, I think that that right now feels like our biggest success. It, just, it really seems like it's positive on every front. And I think being able to be a part of something like that is, I would say, our, best, our biggest success right now. Yeah, I would totally agree with you on that. You are pushing the edge of our thought process to make really cool stuff happen. I'm excited about what you're up to, so congratulations on that. Thank you. So this next question, I'd like you both to answer this and that is what drives you? I think what drives me is working towards a greater good. I think everything that we're doing, I mean, we've had many different jobs in our life. What we're doing with Bolton Bees is we're creating a local Minnesota hardy bee. And what we're doing with the Solar Honey Company is we're creating this network of beekeepers that are able to sell their honey at you know a, an above market price and helping promote land better land use practices and solar energy so i think i mean i guess work drives me and i love what we're doing and i love pushing these good things forward i think that's what my drive is beautiful travis yeah, I'd say to go one step further is that you know, we are beekeepers that is also our, that's our main thing and i think that when you work with bees, you always have something driving you because you'll do it your whole life and you still have things you want to do differently the next year. And you're still honing your trade. It's not something you ever master. I mean, you get you can get good at it you can get much better at it and you can be successful with it. But there's always things that you want to do better to have healthy, productive hives going into winter and coming out of winter and being able to be sustainable. So really, it's, for me, a big part of it, too, is, is beekeeping and just trying to always be a better beekeeper. Beautiful. So if you each could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? A book that I always you know, love thinking about is Red Earth Whiter. It's a book by Will Weaver. He's a northern Minnesota guy. He's actually from my hometown, but that book was you know, it was a bestseller as far as I can remember. It was a big book. It's, uh, it talks a lot about the cultures kind of having to coexist in northern Minnesota, Native Americans that had obviously been there a long time, white people farming in that area. It's a book that I, I always tell people that it's, you know, it's my favorite book, Red Earth Whiter. Beautiful. I would recommend, I just got finished reading this great book. It's called Canoes in Winter. It's by Bob Gulker, and he's actually also from northern Minnesota. I love reading this book and hearing about things and learning about things that are all about northern Minnesota. It's all about being in the woods and you know, living a wholesome 
holistic life. There's a great storyline in the book too, and it's pretty engaging. So canoes in winter beneath the surface. There's he has it's a series. I've only read the first one so far. I look forward to reading the other two, but it's by Bob Gelker. Perfect. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I would say there's a lot that you can do by just leaving your dandelions in your yard. Don't pick them out of your yard. Leave dandelions. It's one of the very first real nectar sources and pollen sources that bees have. And so we have this idea in our culture and society that we need to have green lawns. We do all this managed landscape within our own backyards, having green lawns that don't benefit anything. So I'd say leave the dandelions, leave the clover, because you're really helping pollinators. If you want to go a step further than that, I, I would say engage within your local community. If you hear that there's a solar development going in, go to that hearing and ask for it to be pollinator friendly. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Kiara and Travis. Really fun to be a part of this. Well, I'm really, really excited about what you're up to. I think we need to all take a look at how we can make this big of a difference out in the world. So, I, you know, congratulations on that. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? You can find us online on our website, solar-honey.com or boltonbees.com. Feel free to email us at boltonbees at gmail.com. So also, if a developer wanted to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Is it the same process, and how would they find out more information about that? They should contact us directly. You can go to our websites and contact us through there, or feel free to email us at boltonbees at gmail.com. One of the things that we do is if a solar developer contacts us, we will talk with them and go through how many solar rays do they have? Is it also pollinator friendly? If it's not planted yet, we'll try to connect them with you know, local services that can assist them. Do they have beekeepers in mind? If they don't, we have a network of beekeepers, and then we can manage all of that. And that's actually the, the way that most solar developers are going, is they work through the solar honey company with our network of beekeepers. It's kind of a one-stop shop for them. They work with us, we work with all the beekeepers, and then we can help design a custom jar for them, help do public relations events, go to different hearings for them, help them push it through You know, the city commission. There's a lot of different services that we could offer solar developers, but we don't know unless they contact us, and it's, it's kind of custom for each project. Perfect. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash solar honey. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Growing plants that thrive in your yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWantToSaveSeeds.com and you'll receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how you can save your own.
We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.